2: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
0: If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it.
2: Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
3: Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt.
1: Michael, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Appreciate you having me, my friend. Yeah. Excited to be here. Well, I came across you, uh, amazingly enough, despite the fact that we have a lot of mutual friends, many of who have have been guests on our show, by uh, way of one of our listeners who actually posted an article uh, on uh, Medium that he wrote about your story and I was really, really intrigued by the entire journey. So on that note, can you tell us a a bit about your background, your story, your journey, and how that has brought you to where you're at and uh, what you're up to in the world today?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I started my video production company, Geb's Total Video, when I was 19. Um, So right out of high school, but before that I was, I had a paper route, I had a candy machine business. Um, You know, I worked at a beer distributor and it was actually right my senior year I wanted to get like a quarter raise and they wouldn't give me the quarter after I had slaved away for them and guys who would come over Christmas would be there for like three weeks and get paid like three or four dollars more an hour and I thank them for never giving me that quarter because I may still be on a on a on a beer truck delivering beer but um you know so I I I ended up quitting you know not deciding to go to um to go to college and essentially, the, the cool thing was is for me, my parents were about the only people that supported me. But a lot of people told me that if I didn't go, I wouldn't succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, that was just fire. That was fire to just prove these people wrong. I know, and a lot of people go in different directions. Some people they let that, that those external voices, those external people, really, um, you know, uh, they listen to them, and that's not the smart thing to do. And for me, I just used it as fire, and I went down this path, and I said, "Give me one year. Give me one year to just try this thing out." and if it works, great. If not, you know, I'll, I'll go to college. It'll it'll be there. And um, well, it worked out quite well and I went down this crazy journey of filming you know, dance recitals, graduations. I was at like Pentecostal church services with barbed wire and these bad parts of town and doing funeral slideshows and just anything I could get my hands on. And, um, and then finally in 2010, I had grown my business pretty well, and I was really, 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 really stressed. And At that point in time, I was doing actually 98% weddings, and I did something um, called a same-day edit, so I'd actually you know, shoot and show a video that night. And I was also doing a ton of other videos, though, and so I was like nine months behind on delivering people's wedding videos, and I am not never been proud of that, but uh, it was what it was, and so I was afraid to go to the movies, answer the phone, my email, because I was waiting for emails of... of irritated, you know, brides and grooms and their parents and whoever else wanted to get a hold of me. Um, and it was actually, uh, Zen habits. I, I, I found, uh, that website and in reading that website, you know, it just talked about simplicity and, and minimalism. And up until that point, I'd spent so much time, you know, focusing on materialistic things and, um, I wasn't experiencing life. I was missing everything in life, really. I mean, I was just, Pouring everything into this business. And uh, then I found Tim Ferriss's guest post um, that was on that site, started reading his stuff. And uh, in 2010, you know, I read the four hour work week and it really it, it changed my life. And within two months, you know, he announced the launch party for the four hour body. And I reached out and uh, I got them to reply about an hour later after I sent the email, just offering massive value. Um, you know, saying I'd love I'm gonna be there. Your books changed my life. Um, you know, I, I, I this is what I do. I'd love to do something like this for your party. You know, I'll be there any either way, so it's gonna be a yes or no. And I actually got an email back from one of your previous guests, it was Charlie at the time, mm-hmm. and he's like, Tim says yes. And I'm like flipping out. I mean, up until that point, I mean, I had done some little things with some people, but nothing people I really looked up to. And especially if you obviously read that book, I'd never even expected to get an email back. Um, but they replied, and a few days later, I flew out to New York City. I met Tim, um, met a lot of other people. I met Lewis Howes, who I ended up working with years later, and, and some other people there at that launch party. And uh, I, I actually went and slept on the baggage claim uh, that night because I had to shoot the next day. Mm. And. Um, you know, from that point forward, we've we've gotten to work with some pretty incredible people from from Tony Robbins, and I've done some with Lewis Howes, and you know, Tim Ferriss, and and Pat Flynn, and Marie Forleo, and um, been to Necker Island three times with Richard Branson, and so it's been quite a, a ride from that. You know, decision to to you know reach out to Tim Ferriss, and then getting that yes, and then from that point forward just all these doors started to open but I, I mean a lot of it was me always just providing value by potentially offering up a free video mm-hmm. um, and then from there I've now transitioned to offering kind of my inspirational stuff that I do because I love to inspire others to kind of achieve the impossible or you know believe that anything is possible because for me. When I started, it was five hundred dollar jobs and like you know stuff in my backyard. I didn't. It wasn't even that I I didn't believe anything was possible. It was just I wasn't even aware. Mm-hmm. And just now, there is obviously limitless possibilities. And uh, getting to see people kind of light up and, and realize that is, is awesome. So,
1: mm. well, let's let's go back to the beginning of this, please. Yes, uh, a, a l- lot there. <laughs> let's start with uh, the beer truck and and the candy machines. You know, one of the things that I'm always really interested in is looking at how early influences and early careers mm, yes. shape what we end up doing in the long run and the things and the lessons that we brought from those. So I'm really interested in in how those early experiences ended up playing a role and, and
4: you know, how they impact how you do your work today. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, you know, it really, really started when my parents moved into this. Uh, there was a football field overlooking our house and I was like, Can I cut a hole in the fence and like sell hot dogs and popcorn to the opposing team? We kind of joked about it. And of course, like most people, I didn't do anything with that. Um, But it kind of started there. And then I, you know, I ultimately wanted to keep buying all this stuff. My mom loved shopping and I would go with her to the mall and stuff. And then I would essentially always want to be buying stuff. And finally, they were like, look, we're not going to keep buying you stuff. You're going to have to work. And it was crazy because like I was 10 at this point in time, so we, I got this paper out, and from that point forward, I mean, we ended up with cell phones and internet and computers and all these things because I would agree to, like, pay half mm-hmm. of these things. So I was like, oh, can we, can we get this internet thing? Oh, yeah, well, I'll pay half the bill, you know, and, and so those early days of just, you know, my parents kind of being, like, they weren't loaded by any means. My, my, my dad works at a cemetery. Um, my mom cleans houses, and so... Um, They've always been supportive, supportive of me, but at the same time, they they had me realize that I had to kind of, you know, somewhat fend my, for myself. They weren't just going to buy everything for me and do everything for me. And so, you know, I, I started 10 with that paper out. And from there, something that has, has is, um, come through in everything that I do and what I do today, looking back, is that for me, I always went that extra mile. So all we had to do, I mean, I could set the Paper down in the in the sidewalk, but my dad actually used to help me, and I can't remember fully. i I've got to say, just from gut, that it it was him because of how he. God, it's crazy, man. I don't know how do. I'm weirdly getting emotional here. I've never really told this story as I'm saying this exact thing, but you know, my dad is so passionate about the cemetery, and for so long, I never really understood it. Um, and I always because he he loves. Making movies, and he's an artist, and he's a, he's a creative himself, but he's never really pursued his dreams of of doing all that and when he helped me with the paper out, you know we always would open the doors, put it inside the doors and and do all these things to go the extra mile and I still have people today because I walk with my grandpa at the mall all the time now, and there's this one lady that I used to deliver paper, and she'll still say things about I was the best paper boy that they ever had, and I've transitioned that into from the Working at the beer distributor to everything I've done in video production to everything I'm doing now with, with coaching and training and inspiring people is mm. so I always do my best, but I always encourage others to do their absolute best, regardless of if how much they're getting paid or anything like that. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never really told the story that way. But, um, yeah, so.
1: Wow. So, Your dad worked in the cemetery. I mean, it sounds like to me you've grown up with almost a blue-collar work ethic that Mm -hmm. has shaped and influenced everything that you've done. Uh, This is out of personal curiosity. What does your dad do in a cemetery?
4: Well, he does everything there. He mows the entire cemetery, mows all the grass there. Um, When somebody needs to get buried, he's digging the grave and, and burying them. I mean, he's the only one there at that cemetery. So everything um. Every it does it all. It does it all. I mean, that's 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 really it. Basically, the biggest things that we're cutting the grass and keeping it looking, you know, um, keeping it looking nice, and then from there, you know, having to bury people. So, um, let me ask you something about that. You know, I think
1: something that you said there really struck a chord with me uh, in a very odd way. You said your dad is actually passionate about that work, and I think that a lot of people might look at that work and not be grateful for the fact that they're doing that kind of work. And I, I guess. <clears throat> The question for me then is, how do you find gratitude in situations that are less than ideal for you? Because I, I think that you know, when I compare that to some of these people listening, they may think, "Oh, my life sucks," but it's like, okay, <laughs> maybe not. Does that make sense? I realize yeah, it's no, like it sort does one hundred percent. It's question.
4: funny because you've just given me even an awareness that I never really connected the dots to before. Actually, you know, because for so long, I mean, I, I, I had let go a while back, but for so long. I, I didn't. I didn't understand why he poured his heart and soul into that. When in fact, I felt like he got almost nothing in in return. <laughs> I'm so kidding. Because I was just really passionate about my my family. And um, but what's interesting is he recorded these little like you know, documentary style things with this, this camera that we had and was kind of filming himself. And one time I just kind of opened it up cause he, we never did it much with it. And I, I pulled up one of the clips and you know, the thing about it was, is he's just like, he just wants to, <laughs> sorry, man, this is crazy. I have done like a million interviews. <laughs> um, and not really ever had, had this come up. Um, and so, you know, he said this, this thing of just, you know, these people have their loved ones get buried there and they want a place to be able to come to that, you know, looks amazing for them. Mm -hmm. And so I think I've carried that over into my life that like, you know, people, it's all perspective. Um, You know, I'm not here. I used to think that person that worked at Walmart or worked at the cemetery needed to become an entrepreneur and do their own thing. And the reality is is that's not for everybody. I'm not here to tell the Walmart greeter who loves greeting people at Walmart that there's something better for them. And I used to think that. Mm-hmm. And and now it's just like to each their own, whatever lights you up. But if you're not lit up and if you're not doing something you're passionate about, there is a way to do something that you're passionate about and that you do love. But what that is, is not for any of us to tell someone, you know, they have to figure that out. Um, we can guide them, yep. but that's really what's more important to me than anything. And I, and I, I, I've kind of stepped back now and realized that, you know, people will either wake up if, if there is, cause the thing for me is, is not that he doesn't love that or it's something better for him. He does have this other, you know, passions. He's just never pursued them or really, you know, dedicated his time to make those something that he could do for a living. But I feel now like I can just only be that example, help out when, when, when needed, but not push myself or my ideals onto him or anybody else. I've learned that people, when they want help, they'll ask. But when mm-hmm. they don't and they're not asking for it and you push it upon them, they'll only resist more. Hmm. So, Well, we'll talk about that in a bit of detail, especially considering
1: four-hour work week was one of your influences. <laughs> I want to ask you uh, one more question uh, about your dad and the work that he did in the cemetery. I mean, on a daily basis, he's confronted with the reality that we're all going to die. And I'm really curious if there are any lessons that he brought from that whole experience and that perspective into your life uh, (laughs) that really kind of shape and influence the way you see the world.
4: I, I can't honestly say in, in my heart that he's verbalized things to me ever. Like, you know, sometimes you hear people say, well, my dad always told me mm-hmm. this or that. Um, I, I I think just in, in things you just have said, um, it's just been who he is and, and the example that he has set that has influenced me. Um, cause there definitely hasn't been like, we haven't sat down. I mean, he's not the kind of guy that sits down and holds some deep conversation. Um, definitely has never actually been that way. Um, but just he'll do anything for almost anybody. Um, but he definitely bends over backwards for, for me and, and my mom and, you know, my brother and, other people, you know, close, you know, to us, where, you know, at the drop of the hat, if if you can get, well, if you can get a hold of him, sometimes you know, he's got a flip cell phone and stuff. If he answers it, but you know, he'll come down and, and fix the pipes. He'll do whatever these things that I, I'm not that handyman, and you know, and I, I guess that that's transitioned over into my life to just being that that servant and that person who you know has removed all expectation from doing things from people. Like the fact that I don't expect anything in return. I just do it. Just because it's it's I can and because I, I like helping others and I like seeing them smile, I like seeing others happy, and so he's always done that for me. And in everything that he does, he, he's an example of you know going at it hundred percent, working hard, and um, you know, and helping others and wanting to see them happy. Really at the core. Now, like I said, he was, never would have verbalized that, but as you're asking me to think of it, that's the example that he has set for me and uh, congratulations for being the first person who's dug on any interview or anything else I've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's been known to happen here from
1: time to time. Talk to any former guest. Good deal. I love it. Uh, So let's do this. I want to talk about the decision not to go to college, and not specifically the decision itself, but the ability to tune out those external voices and turn them into fire. I want to know how you did it and how we can, because I think that, to me, you're always dealing with the external voices of you know, parents, peers, society, uh, and people who are always questioning whether you're going to actually succeed with this crazy wild-eyed dream. And then you're dealing with a voice internally also that often it becomes one of self-doubt fueled by the external. And I'm really interested in how you've
4: turned that all into fire and how we do that. Well, I think that one big thing is is people have to to truly take baby steps and build some semblance of momentum. So if we go back to high school and we go back, well, if we go back to ten years old. I mean, ten years old, I did the paper out, right? I, I I had something that was you know some form of 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 your own thing. I mean, if if I wouldn't, I would have gotten the tips I got if I would have been a poor you know paper boy, um, you know, or things like that. And so in high school, though, when it comes to what I actually you know, when I chose to not go to college. You know, so many people, all, all your parents, all anybody ever cares about is your well-being, and, and that you do succeed, and that things work out, and all that kind of stuff. And so, when people don't go at things with any semblance of of, of confidence or um, what could happen, it's just like I don't want to go to college. But yet they're sitting at home playing video games every day. So they're like, "No, you're going to college, or you're going to do this. Like you're not going to just sit at home and do nothing because that would be." A failure or whatever. Um, So for me, I mean, I had 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 begun to make money in high school doing video related things. So my very, very, very first thing, believe it or not, came from my father because of a funeral home. And so honestly, my dad got me the job at the beer distributor because it was right next to the cemetery. And then the funeral homes associated with my dad, knew that we made some of these little movies in, in high school and they wanted to know, uh, they were getting into this thing, these slideshows, and just wanted to know if we would be able to do that or if we we had, you know, the ability to do that. And so, you know, we, I started to make these slideshows in high school. And so like my, my junior year, I made like $4,000 doing these slideshows, but I didn't have to seek out, it was just like, it happened. I was messing with this technology, with the movie stuff. I knew how to make, make the slideshow, so I made the slideshow, and they were just feeding me the business, that one funeral home, so I made like $4,000, and then, um, you know, my senior year, I made $8,000 from video-related things, so I did slideshows, I filmed some school plays, um, I made a video yearbook for my senior class where I interviewed all the kids and then put them all on a DVD, and um, believe it was that year I filmed my very, very first wedding, um, which was in like May of 2004. And then I think I might've filmed one more that year possibly. Um, and then in January of 2006 was when I did, I mean, I graduated in May of 2005, January, 2006, I was in a bridal show and I booked about 12 weddings at like $800 a piece. Um, and then May 1st is when I opened the doors to this, um, the studio. So from May first, I stayed at the beer distributor through the summer, and then I actually got a job. Well, I helped my mom clean houses up until like maybe June of the following year. So a little over a year, I helped her clean houses while I was dabbling with this whole video thing and figuring out. And the biggest chunk was the, you know, the um, the bridal show really helped. But the thing was, when I went to tell them. That I I didn't want to go to college, you know. In my senior year, I'd already been making some money in this this space, and so when I tell anybody my whole story, I mean, it's always easy to just cruise over things like they just happened in seconds. Right. But the truth of the matter is that was still two years of me doing something in it, and I, I it kills me when people say they want to do anything. And they're not doing anything of what they want to say. So they want to be a violinist, but they don't play the violin. Or they want to be a speaker, and they never speak. Or they never they want to help people, but they never help people. Or they want to be video, but they never have even picked up a camera. They just have watched tons of movies and forums and courses and all this stuff. And so for me, two years, I did it before I graduated, which gave me some, you know, confidence that, you know what? If I can, I mean, me, it was like double, literally. Four, eight. Huh, 16 sounds nice for my first year out of high school. Well, I actually in that first like 12 to 18 month cycle made like $60,000. Mm-hmm. And then the following year I actually went backwards and made like forty. But you know, I had a couple things that a lot of people don't know. You know, one, I mean I didn't want to go to college honestly. So that was one thing that like I-, I knew I had this year so I had to give it everything I had. I did live at home um, but I did get a loan as well and my parents co-signed on that loan and if I quote unquote I guess defaulted or didn't pay it, then they were going to be liable for making those payments and realistically that wasn't going to probably work out too well and so if they couldn't make the payments either then their house would be taken away, you know all this kind of stuff would start to happen so I had these these external things for me that made me just like so motivated to make this work but it also started with the two years of doing something in it so it just seemed like look I mean, really, the making $16,000 was going to be enough for me to go, okay, this is working. I can keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, But it came a point just like a month and a half in after we really opened the doors to this uh, building that I rented that, you know what? I'm making more in a couple days with this video stuff. Then I would make in a month of helping my mom clean houses with her, you know, in the in the in the couple days a week. And so I think I was like two or three days a week I would work. And I'm like, you know, I I need to stop this because, you know, in those extra, you know, whatever it could be, 24 hours potentially, I, I could probably go achieve a lot more. And I think that. You know, that all-in mentality, now that was my personal situation. Obviously, everybody's different, and mm. some people have always liked to, well, you're not married, you don't have kids, you don't have this. So I've made it a mission to like find all sorts of scenarios of people. Right. <laughs> and you've probably, through your interviews, have seen everything. And it's oh, just yeah. like, there's always, it's just an excuse. It doesn't matter how old or how young, there's always things you'll tell yourself. Because then when I started, the biggest difference between me now at 28 and me at 19 was, I'm really young, nobody's going to take me seriously, who's going to pay me a lot of money? I mean all these things. And the biggest difference now is my mindset. And that's what I really help with people with today is the mindset because there's so many creatives mm-hmm. in general, the title of your your podcast that they're outstanding in what they do. They know everything they need to do. They've learned, they've watched every you know course, they've or they've bought every course, watched every course, they've listened to every podcast, they've done everything. They may even have the four years of college but they just haven't taken any action because they don't believe in themselves and they think there's so many other people better than them and my transitions in my career happened when I got out of that mindset mm-hmm. and really I actually got a coach and, and somebody who was where I kind of wanted to be and they broke some of those ideals and I went from 40,000 in 2007 to 106,000, I made in 2008, and that I give a lot of credit to the person who kind of opened my eyes to kind of the limiting beliefs that I had. So,
1: wow, uh, so many different things there. You know, it's funny you, you mentioned living at home. I, I've I've done my share of that, even at, at an age when it seems inappropriate to, or <laughs> it seems something that we'd look down upon. But I also I'm not the person who sat around and played video games. I wrote of a book. I started a conference. Like I wasn't somebody just sitting on my ass at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's the, that's the real sort of, uh, thing that I, you know, is, is the real distinction, I think, between people who live at home for the wrong reasons and the ones who do for the right, right. reasons. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But let's, that, that's, you know, a whole other, other narrative. Uh, I do want to get into the mindset piece a bit, but I want to come back to that, um, a little later on in our conversation because there's a place where I think it'll be much more fitting. Uh, well, let, let's actually talk about, uh, creativity through the lens of a camera. Okay. Uh, just because I think there's some really interesting things there that, uh, I'm very curious about, I mean, I've, I've seen creativity through the lens of a photographer's camera through visual artists. I'm really interested in, you know, lessons in creativity and things that change how you view the world and and how you see things as somebody who sees uh, the world through the lens of a video camera. What is, how does that impact you creatively? And and what are the takeaways for somebody listening from uh, from your own experience?
4: Well, what's interesting is I'm far as much as I was very um, interested in in technology, and, and I was buying so much stuff and thinking that I would actually generate more income and help me grow, and it never <laughs> never did. Um, you know, I always say you can have the greatest you know buy the greatest golf clubs on the planet, and it won't make you Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it's the same thing in in, in, in video or or any creative uh, you know thing that you're doing. But for me, a lot came from kind of from the gut and from this idea that I'm going to do what kind of is feeling right to me and from what I'm seeing like I would study other people's videos and things of what I was wanting to do and I just tried to to emulate that and then at a point in time where I felt like I was almost just fully modeling and almost copying others and, it, and creatively it, it, it It sucked everything out of me. (laughs) Um, And then I just became my own and just kind of took bits and pieces from everybody. And then that true from myself and just it became me and it was only me. I mean, there was influence, Mm -hmm. which I think we all have influence from somebody um, now in this day and age and always will moving forward because there's almost nothing that's fully, fully original. There's some influence from somebody or something that came before us. But for me, in regards to seeing things through... Um, a lens, there's actually an interesting thing for me because what I've been learning um is that for me, I kind of fell into all that. And it probably was a byproduct of what you dug at earlier with my youth and the fact that we, you know, made these little movies. I mean, my dad was making Super 8 things, you know, back when I was born. But I don't think I was ever like, I'm the video guy. Like I never really was that way. It all just started to kind of fall in place because man, I loved Everything I thought I was going to go to school for kinesiology and become a personal trainer, like Body Total Fitness, and mm-hmm. like I mean I had so many different things, but this video thing just kind of fell into place and it worked. And I was tech savvy enough. I mean I, I guess figured all that stuff out, but it really at the core what I I got is in 2006, which was my first year in October, was the first time I did one of these same day edit things. And it was at a wedding, and it was. Uh, I, I saw a guy in the Philippines do it, and I was like, "Man, that's really cool." And I, I, I thought this couple was going to be the perfect couple and the perfect fit, and so I did it. But only hindsight being twenty twenty, can I look at everything I did in my career in, in video? It boiled down to loving the interaction with people, just like I did with my paper out, and that's what I'm doing now. So the vehicle happened to be video, but for me. Like, I wasn't, I, I, I mean, I, I, there's a version of passion that obviously was there and that's why I succeeded with it, but at the same time, my passion was more for the people. I, I know with every bone in my body from the conversations I've had with, with Tony Robbins and other people that they weren't hiring me because I was the best video guy on the planet. Mm-hmm. I did really, you, you need to have levels of quality, absolutely, but they were hiring me because of me as a person. And I believe that my connection with people is what I really loved. I don't know if this is answering you through your lens because I'm, I'm trying to kind of get at it for me, creativity, you know, I, I, I don't see myself as that like true creative in the sense of the art form of, of video, as mm-hmm. more as a person that loves connecting with people. And video happened to be that vehicle that allowed me to connect with people. And um, and if I wasn't, I didn't enjoy it. So I didn't enjoy going to a wedding and just showing up all day and then coming back and edit. That's why I got behind. Mm-hmm. Because when I did the same to edit, I got to show that to two or three hundred people, and they would flip out. They would laugh. They would cry. They would run up to me saying they want to get married again, or they're they're getting married next week, or am I available? Like all these things, and I love that. and I fueled off that but anything i wasn't doing where i didn't get to interact i would just procrastinate i would never mess with it cuz i didn't really i wasn't jazz like the guy that was my buddy who helped us out who just lived and breathed on the computer and he didn't care if anybody knew what he was doing like he just as long as he was on that computer you're know, getting fed the the projects he was a happy guy whereas mm-hmm. for me i wanted to be in front of the people and i think if people identify what it is that they their sweet spot. What's that zone? What's that thing? Don't follow what everybody else is telling you or what you even think. It's just like go with go really look inside and find out what that stuff is that you truly love out of all these things that need to be done. Cause some people, like even in the video space, I was just on, on a coaching call and you know the guy was saying some stuff and it was like, well, do you you know, to run your own business, you gotta be more than just a guy who loves to shoot video or edit. And if you're not willing to learn and do some of those other things, become more of a video marketer, a guy who really can help a business understand why video is important. Same thing for a graphic designer, a web designer, you know, all these people, you know, a lot of people do truly love with every bone in their body, just the actual art side of it of creating or of, you know, drawing or doing the video or taking the photos. Um, but if you want to be an entrepreneur or want to have your own business. It, you can't only do that without either one having someone fill in that weakness of you know getting business or two like if you truly don't want anything to do with any of that stuff then you probably actually need to just work for somebody or potentially do freelance where you find the guy who just feeds you work and then that's all you have to do and you don't have to worry about trying to do everything else that goes along with dealing with clients does, does that is that making sense
2: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
5: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. For full, important safety information, visit juvederm.com.
3: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30,
1: 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month.
3: So give it a try at slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
6: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
1: Yeah, it, it does. I mean, I think it's 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 really interesting. More than anything to me, it sounds like what it comes down to is finding the right vehicle for your form of self-expression yes. and making sure you're truly aligned with it. Because I've consistently noticed, and, and the reason I know this very well right now is I'm, I'm working on a book proposal, and the very first section of the book proposal is all about alignment. And I've noticed throughout my life, throughout my career, even throughout the journey of building Unmistakable Creative and all the projects that we've worked on, Anytime I'm out of alignment, it just doesn't work. Yep, It really does not work. No matter what I try, it falls flat. And anytime I am, even when I'm not thinking, like, and sometimes being out of alignment requires letting go of rational thought in a lot of ways. Uh, It's kind of like, this makes no sense to do this and to not think about how this is going to pay off financially. And the irony is sometimes those things end up being, you know, the biggest successes.
4: Well, I truly believe from the bottom of my heart it's the thing that you're willing to do for free every day forever that you can easily turn into something you can make money with. It's Mm -hmm. the thing that you're doing for the sake of some guy that's sold you online, the amazing salesmen who are out there (laughs) selling everything under the blue moon that I know we can go on a a rampage about. But it's like those people are ruining people's lives because they're phenomenal salesmen. They don't give a shit about the person and they just want to get your money and run and then go find more people to take their money from and maybe they change their brands and whatever else. And that stuff drives me crazy because people get sold in to this idea of ease Mm -hmm. and it's just going to be push a couple buttons and then you're going to be rich in 60 seconds after getting off of this, you know, after you buy this. And the truth of the matter is, is everything in life takes hard work or intimate relationships take hard work, business takes hard work. Nothing's easy. It can get easier, but nothing's easy to to do, Mm -hmm. you know. And so for me, it's just – everything like you said that i've tried to or that i personally tried to do that were for the wrong reasons weren't in my sweet spot i mean, tried to start an app company once and again that the out of alignment part was i saw the ease i wanted to do it with my brother and i saw the ease in the, what i was being sold to make passive income per se with it it just sounded so easy. we can do this but all the parts that were missing is zero human connection with people right you know i didn't have any of that it was just going to be a thing and it didn't matter to me and that's what i found through all sorts of introspection, everything else, it's like, I'm not driven by money. So anything I'm only doing for money, I'll always lose that because Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to go through the hard steps to get to, you know, the successful part, you know? And we're always, to me, you're always successful as long as you're trying. But, you know, for me, you give up so quickly when it's, when it's not easy if you don't love it. So if you're willing to do it for free, because it's just like I said earlier, the person who is shooting video all the time or doing photos or doing art, I mean, I have a girl right now I'm doing coaching with, she's part of our group like, she is an outstanding artist, but she didn't believe in herself, but she draws 12 hours a day. Getting this girl results right now is somewhat like breathing, it's easy. Mm-hmm. It, it truly is because she's already phenomenal at the craft and does it all the time versus like, well, this thing sounds really good. I really think it would be awesome to be, you know, a, a filmmaker. But like I said, but they're never doing it. Like that person's at literally ground zero and it's much more difficult. I mean, how many people have you interviewed who did do something for years on in that they were doing it that just kind of came naturally, just did it for fun or whatever. And then all of a sudden it was like they had this epiphany that they'd love to do this for a living mm-hmm. and they were able to make You know, they were able to maybe do the $100,000 launch or do that stuff. But, you know, when you had 100,000 people following you and you only needed 500 of those 100,000 to buy, it becomes pretty easy to generate that kind of income versus I'm ground zero, no one knows who I am. And people get you to think that you're going to go from ground zero, no reputation, no anything, and then make, you know, do $500,000 on some kind of launch of something or launch of a business or whatever. Again, you saw my journey, junior, senior year of high school before I ever even rented a studio or even bought much stuff or decided I wasn't going to college, like all that, there was that stuff before that Mm -hmm. that I did that made it more easy to transition than just total ground zero.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting you brought up a girl who draws. I mean, our illustrator, Sarah Steenland, the way we met is a, is almost uh, a case study for what you're talking about. I remember when we started speaking, I literally saw her drawing every single day on Facebook. And, you know, 11 months later, she happens to be the face of our brand. You know? Yeah. She's, she's and doing awesome stuff. It's just, you know, it's, it's interesting that uh, you bring up this whole idea of following what somebody else, what you think somebody else, uh, you know, uh, says is the right thing to do and I, I I only know this. I always this is my analogy that I always use Especially because it's related to the latest writing project. I'm working on I always say you can't use a map at, a map is gonna get you to somebody else's destination a compass is what you have to use yeah. uh, Interesting, you know, and, and that's I see that over and over again I think you know for me the big thing I realized is that I am most fulfilled and at, at my sweet spot when I am making and creating things mm-hmm. Uh but if I am in this sort of online marketing mode of, okay, you know, conversions and funnels and all that stuff, <laughs> most crazy. Of the, no, I mean, most of the work I create is very manufactured. It lacks authenticity. And I think that sometimes it's really easy for people to forget that just because somebody is on the other end of a screen, it doesn't mean they can't feel what you're experiencing or what the, yeah. you know, what's coming across. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. let's do this. Uh, let's shift gears and, and let's start talking sort of uh, about you know, maybe what I would call, uh, you know, your Valley really, uh, in this journey, when you start to realize you're hating your work, because that's really actually what got my attention, uh, in the mm-hmm. article Gotcha. Okay. Uh, that, uh, one of our listeners wrote, uh, only because I started to feel like that somewhere in the middle of last year and not even realizing that I was completely unaware of it. Uh, that, you know, suddenly the work I love started to turn into the job I hated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, it's in getting back to the essence of why I started doing all this in the first place that I started to find joy again. So I'm really interested in your own experience with that, you know, how this whole idea of minimalism played a role, um, and, and also just cultivating awareness uh, of, you know, where we truly are at with what we're doing. Does that yeah. make sense? I realize it's a really broad no,
4: question. No, 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 no. I mean, I I think I know where we're going to go with this. And I mean, um, you know, the the thing is, is that I've always asking questions, I guess, and always trying to like, so I don't just take, I was just, I was just doing a thing with a guy, it was that idea of like, somebody came to him, they, you know, they said they wanted a video, and then, or he asked them if they wanted a video, and then they said, ah, we don't really need a video, and that was like the end of the conversation, and for me, I found that I always kind of have rebuttals to people, I always have something else, and it's to paint this picture, but I do that for my own life, so when things, just aren't right. I'm always trying to ask the question. Why? What, what? What's this? What's that? Who can I look to? Who can I ask? Who can I get to see? Like always asking questions. And so in that time, I wasn't going to accept that things just weren't working out. So I kept asking questions. So one of the biggest things for me was that, and it ties back to this thing I've said with same day edit, which was, and this applies to everybody. So, so many times, right? there's a million and a half things to do so you just mentioned at the beginning I said uh, you know do video you're like no my god you know there's so many uh, extra things or whatever but the truth of the matter is there's there's the audio only podcast there's audio and video podcast and there's video and there's YouTube and then there's you know Instagram and Pinterest and LinkedIn and you know Twitter and Facebook and snapchat and et cetera et cetera et cetera and we try to do a million things but we do all of them really poorly Um, and so the ones who I've been able to see crush it are the ones who were doing the one thing. So I have a really good friend, Alex Icon, I don't know if you've crossed paths with him yet, but him and his wife have a channel called Luxie Hair, you know, and they got to 2 million subscribers right now on YouTube. And literally they have a seven figure business just selling hair extensions and the only thing they focused on was YouTube. Now they have some big Facebook and Instagrams now but they weren't trying to build their brand and their business with 180,000 different things. They just did one video a week on YouTube and they served and they helped. So for me, in my business, I was doing literally an intro, like highlight video, a pre-ceremony, a ceremony, a photo session, a reception, a love story, a full ceremony, full reception, a same-day edit, and God, there was probably a couple other videos I created for people. <laughs> well, and this was for one you know, couple. I would create all these different videos. And then I would see some of my couples at a wedding, and I'd say, how's everything going? And they actually did have their DVD, and I'd say, well, well what do you think of it? How do you like it? And I had these couples telling me, Oh, my God, we we love it. It was so great. We love, love, love the same day at it. We shared that a million times. We watch it all the time. I said, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I knew they loved that. I knew that the day that I made it, right, the day of. Mm -hmm. I said, what about everything else? Ah, well, I mean, it's fine, but I mean, we really haven't even watched it yet. And I'm like, six months they've had their DVD. They haven't watched anything but the thing I got done that day.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: And I'm like, but the thing I got done that day was also the thing that I loved. It's what brought me the most joy. And so what happened was like this epiphany and It came around Zen Habits and Tim and all these things around that year when it was just like I couldn't take it anymore. And I just made this decision to remove more or less everything except for the same-to-edit and then this basic ceremony reception because I, I thought, man, I don't, you know, in their highlight, this three and four minute video, I wouldn't have all their vows or the speeches at the reception. So I wanted to make sure they at least just had that. But that was just so basic. I, I paid somebody a few hundred dollars to get that done. It was easy. I didn't have to think about it. And then it brought me now back to my zone, my sweet spot. And and when I did that, it just, my business, because that's also, I developed that style and I applied that, I mean, there's an event called Mastermind Talks mm-hmm. coming up. Yep. That, um, yeah, so I'm, I've been at that the last few years. Jason is a is a dear friend. I filmed his wedding. Um, love that guy to death. He's like a brother and just a phenomenal human being. But I mean, I do this. I do the same day edit every year for his event. So it's not the same day. It's at the end of that event. I mean, I'm going to Social Media Marketing World, and that's why they're hiring me. And I even they sent me an email about something this year, and it was like I brought up something and I'm like I could help out this or that or whatever. And Or get you some people like, well, we, no, no, it's okay. we really want you to just focus on, on, that, on that video. That's mm-hmm. it. Just this one thing. And so literally that one thing, that style of that one video and then also doing that same day edit is what I became known for and things just exploded. And also for – and in kind of a selfish way, I stopped caring what music people want, all these things. And I became like, look, I'm going to pour my heart and soul into something that I know I can create the best. And When everybody else is dictating to me what you know I should be doing, should I shave my face, should I dress a certain way, should I do this, should I do that? It just all drove me crazy and so therefore I started to learn that I was really just disservicing everybody because I, I wasn't doing my best. Mm-hmm. I was doing what everybody else wanted which didn't make me happy, which made me not perform as well and it just was this vicious cycle. So when I got rid of all the clutter, all the crap, just did what was true to my heart, that's when things blew up for me and that's when I got reengaged, reignited and now everything that I do uh, from that day forward has been a byproduct of me first coming from a place of making sure that I'm floored about it so I can give everything I've got but also trying to keep it simple and focus on really what matters versus on everything and doing a million different things like for me I got to be in that sweet spot and when I'm there. It just all is all is working really well, and everybody, including myself, is really really happy. So,
1: yeah, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's interesting we're having this conversation because I'm reading um, Peter Diamandis and uh, Stephen Kotler's new book, Bold, and there's an entire section mm. on flow and okay, yeah. how when we achieve, you know, flow. All aspects of performance go through the roof. And yeah. it's funny because I think for me, you know, I, I kind of like you had my hands in a million different projects. I was, you know, trying to help people market their books. I was trying to do a bunch of the different things when I cut it all away and said, you know what, let's just focus on the show and the projects that I want to work on that are related that's when everything changed of course you know it's interesting because in that journey i also got lost along the way and got distracted by a bunch of things again of course <laughs> um and it was basically paring it down and you know talking to through through with a friend who said what you love doing is what you should be focused on because that's where your sweet spot is and i think it's it's tempting to get out of our sweet spot uh, because when the sweet spot starts to work we start to see all these other possibilities
4: yeah, well, we'd have to have a whole other two hours to <laughs> yeah. explain all the all the all the rabbit holes I've gone down. Cause I mean, we all know the shiny objects and oh, yeah. and you know, I, I've been I've been just as susceptible as anybody else. And when I get the tunnel vision though, and I focus on that sweet spot, when I get in my zone, that's when things on all aspects, like you just said, light up. And and I think that sometimes though, it's the fact that we truly don't believe enough. Mm-hmm. in ourselves and in that future of what that sweet spot is, that that's what distracts us to do all these other things. Yeah. And it's more because of the great salesman again who can sell the ease and we go back to sometimes, oh God, because sometimes, obviously we all, no matter what, will go through this and we always go through it, is when ease is sold to us, really compelling, and we know how tough things are right now, it's very easy to go, Maybe, maybe maybe that thing, you know, can be that, that, that thing that I can cut years off of this process, you know, Mm -hmm. and, but if you can ignore that, and just stay in the zone, I mean, just like yourself, man, I mean, I'm scrolling here as we're on this call, I mean, it's like, God, I mean, it's just, this, this this just plethora of amazingness that you have here that could have never been built had you just bobbed and weaved every other day doing something different, right? You stuck with something, and now I'm sure that the results and the things that you're getting are outstanding. I mean, one, you've already, you know, gotten to, you know, connect with some of the most amazing people on the planet. And so it's just, but you don't get that. People don't take you... Seriously, if you've just done one thing usually. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You have to have that that body of work and sometimes that's having a body of work when nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody's looking at you, nobody's paying attention. Those years of just doing it where it's 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 because you love it. Mm-hmm. And then from there when all of a sudden that big win, that lottery happens for you, you know, boom, you've got that that stuff for people to go back on and it's there and it thrives and it explodes. So so speaking of which uh, you know there's two things I
1: want to talk about uh, one is, is something that we were talking about at the very beginning of our conversation about you know not believing that everybody is supposed to go be an entrepreneur or go quit their job or whatever yeah. which is interesting because I think on some level and I don't think that that was Tim's intention when he wrote the four-hour work week I highly doubt it <laughs> and yet that's the that's the narrative that's been perpetuated and this is a question I've asked a lot of people uh you know, there are times when I feel that that narrative has actually done more harm than good and has made a lot of people miserable because they feel like they're missing out on something.
4: Well, if, if you mean as well, I think another thing that, you know, unfortunately, it's again, it, it's, it's some version of a, of a bait and switch and in, in, in not an intentional way necessarily, of course, from Tim to do what it did. But that idea that also that title Has sucked people into the fact that they think that that's the core truth, as well. Right. Which is like, you know, my goal is to only work for, which, 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 what's really the core is can you do what I just said as well? Which is like for me, what I ended up taking was the stuff like, let's remove all this clutter, let's Mm -hmm. remove all the things. And so it's not about, the fact that I only work four hours, but I did go from 100 hours down to you know 25 or less hours for a wedding. It wasn't four hours. I wasn't going to be able to be like, well, let me show up for your ceremony. I'll leave and then I'll come back a couple hours later and by the time I get done, I've only really shot at your wedding for, for four hours or you know, anything like that. It was just trying to be more strategic about your time and the things you do, that kind of that 80-20 principle. And that's what I took away, but I know so many who have even achieved it and they were bored out of their mind after they got to just the true four hours. It's like, what now? And you'll, I mean, you'll see that all over the place when people obviously achieve things. It's like, well, what now? Mm. But yeah, I mean, that idea that they are missing out or there's more or the fact that things should only be four hours, like there's so much, and I've had that, man. I say things all the time in my videos and I'm like, all of a sudden, somebody comes to me. Something like, "Crap, that's not my intention. That is not what I wanted." And so it's like you always, when we're out there, is is any form of authority or any form of being looked up to. Yeah, you do have to be conscious of what you're doing sometimes because, and you can't always control obviously all of it, but at the same time. People, if, you, if you're not clear sometimes, people interpret things in just the craziest ways and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that that happened to that person or whatever. That's not That was not my intention. Oh, and right. then obviously the positives happen as well. Of course, there's millions of you know phenomenal success stories out of, out of Tim's book as well. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know if that answered. I don't know if that oh, would yeah. actually. Yeah, no, okay. it,
1: it definitely does. I mean, I think that you're, you're right. The, there's both the positives and the negatives and... Uh, you you definitely get the wrong idea sometimes. Uh, you know, like you said, when we're in positions of authority, and I, I can tell you, I know at times I've perpetuated the narrative almost to a fault, and I've said, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe yeah. everybody shouldn't live this life, and that's that's, uh, and that's you know, I, I, that's that's one one conclusion I finally realized. Like, okay, maybe you know, approaching things this way isn't for everybody.
6: Well,
4: I think that that for me, everybody, honestly, where we're going with our future, I mean, everybody to some form needs to become a better salesman, if you will. And I know people hate the idea of selling, but really when you're trying to get a job, you're freelance, you are in business for yourself, you are selling. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you can take the stigma away that it's some kind of dirty, nasty, evil, horrible thing that some of these people do do, and realize that you know you're going to have like this world is transitioning i mean the the, the i you know and talking to my grandpa all the time it's just that idea of like how long will will the malls will these things be i mean how long will there be places to go when there's just going to make it the, a lazy society potentially we like There'll be these major, major players who will just literally, you stay at home, you press buttons and things arrive at your door. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and there'll be no reason to go out. So everything, it's like, what what are we going to do? How are we going to, I mean, the, the need for the amount of, I mean, the amount of people going to college and doing these things that need jobs, there just won't be the jobs available. And so therefore you're going to have to get quote unquote creative to figure out what you're going to do to make a living Mm -hmm. and you know and that's that's gonna come right now it's still not fully there but you still need to be a version of a salesman because things are competitive i mean i get it i'm not going to sit here and like play like oh things are easy oh the economy i mean i don't like getting on that tangent but the the truth of the matter is it is tough there isn't as much availability of jobs per se there's there's plenty of opportunity it's just not in the forms that a lot of people wish it was Um, You know, when if if 3,000 kids graduate from one college and they all stayed in that area, where are they all getting hired? You know I mean? And you have to learn to stick out. You have to learn to be unique um, and you have to be resourceful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a lot there that has to happen. And if people don't do those things, they will struggle. Um, But they don't necessarily right now have to truly like start their own business from ground zero that, you know, there are other ways to just – Get hired for somebody like you. You know that artist. I don't know how much hair to do all these things, but maybe she only needs a few people like yourself, and she can make a great living. I've been learning through all the things I'm doing. A lot of people obviously need a lot less than even they think they do, or that the world may give you. I mean, some people can live a phenomenal life making fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars a month, and to achieve that isn't thousands upon thousands of clients or customers or anything. I mean, you know, depending on what you're doing, if it's one to one service base, it can just be you know, five or 10 people or less, Mm -hmm. you know, can take care of that. So finding that it's not as crazy difficult with the internet being what it is. I mean, you can get business anywhere doing anything, you know, to some degree. Um, so, so let's do this. Um,
1: I want to start wrapping things up and I, I want to start talking about
4: mindset, uh, briefly,
1: you know, and and where I want to take this really is, I mean, you've kind of stood right next to, arguably some of the people with the most powerful mindsets in the world, Richard Branson, Tony Robbins. And I'm interested in what mindset lessons you've brought from those people into the work that you do. I mean, you mentioned a significant shift in your mindset that ultimately changed your business. And I know that that to me is something that I'm going through right now with a new mentor uh, is, you know, one of the big things was all mindset. He said, start to focus on being happy. And he said, amazingly enough, you'll start to see things change again, Uh, which made no sense to me. He said, "Get back in the water, start surfing regularly." I was like, "Okay, that makes no sense." But he said, "You being miserable isn't going to change anything," Uh, and and, you know, it was very counterintuitive. And amazingly enough, a lot of things started just started getting better when I started to listen to him. But I'm really interested in your uh, perspective from having worked with people at that level
4: yeah I mean this is this is one of the things I'm most passionate about right now as well. I could go on and on and on about this, but I mean some of the, the, the big things I mean one um, one person actually that's a little different from Tony or Richard was if anybody listening's interested at all uh, in tennis, um there's, there's actually the Bryan Brothers, if anybody's ever heard of the Bryan Brothers. So um, in Necker Island, the last few years, I've filmed this tennis charity event, and the Bryan Brothers have been there. Well, this, this thing that I do called Jump Starters. essentially, I, I did it live. I do it live every Thursday. But I did this one live, and I had Mike Bryan on my call, live from Necker Island. And what was really, really cool is I got to talk to him, and I got to talk to him about Mindset. You know, and one of the things I asked him is, is, is how much of it is skill versus mindset? And he said something like in the range of like, you know, 90 to 95% is mindset because he's like, these guys we're playing against. And mind you, if I didn't say that, the Bryan brothers have been number one doubles uh, in tennis for the last like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so the thing about it is, is he's like, these guys are practically equally as skilled as we are but it's 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 that mindset that gives them that edge upon those other other players because all it takes is somebody get underneath their skin and they get off a little bit and their whole game's off. I mean, that's what Tony did with Andre Agassi and all these other people. I mean, it's all these people, and some would argue the whole Tiger Woods thing right now. He, he, the guy's the same guy to some degree, right, that was outstanding, but he's all messed up in the mind right now. Mm-hmm. You know, he still has that skill set. So for me, being around these guys... Um, and especially Tony and seeing the different versions of like even him and being around him, he's able to truly do what he what he preaches with the, you know, getting into state and just that, that boom, he can just click it on and, and turn it on and off, it just the snap of a finger and get in the zone when he needs to. Um, you know, just like I do my Wednesday videos. I mean, there's times sometimes like I know that I the, the people look up to me. I love doing them, but there are times where I am a little off and it's like, you know, I could just say, ah, screw it this week, you know, whatever, I don't care. But I know that for me, I'm committed to doing it every week. I'm committed to the people. I know there's people that are are really getting massive impact on it. And so for me, I got to be able to, to kick that crap that might be happening that day or whatever and get in the zone and do it. And so for me, that ability to, to kind of, it, it's not fake either. Like some would say, well, you're happy all the time. Is it real? or? I'm, I'm just like anybody else. I have bad days. I have good days, you know, whatever. But what the difference is between me when I, I used to really like kind of long term ultimately be some form of depression, like I just wasn't – it was fake. Like I was putting on a show back in like those that year 2010, 2009 a little bit. Um, the biggest difference now is I do have that awareness of things and I can nip things in the bud much quicker now because I'm always – I remember I asked. I said I ask a lot of the questions. Well, now again, it's it's an awareness of everything, and so trying to be very aware of what I'm saying, what I'm doing. I mean, I do the thing from Tim's thing as well, which is kind of the low information diet. I mean, I only try to. You know, people talk about sheltering their kids. I shelter myself. Like the idea of, of the music, the movies, the the news, everything of what I'm putting into my mind. I do as much as I can to shelter the crap and the negativity and that's an easier way for me than to stay positive and to be able to, to have that. Uh, big picture, that bright future where it, it becomes easier for me than a person who just goes on Yahoo News and watches everybody getting killed or this negative thing or that, neg- or their Facebook feeds per se. I mean, uh-huh. I try to. I have zero tolerance in everything I do for the negativity. I'll ban people, you know. I'll you know on, on my YouTube feed, like if it if it's not constructive in a in, in, in a helpful way but it's the hater or the troll just yep. delete and ban i don't even care i don't i don't feed them because bullying for anybody out there dealing with blog comments youtube comments facebook this you know, whatever the truth of the matter is if you think you're crafting an amazing response to a troll or a hater you are wasting every everything all your energy all i mean because you'll never ever they're getting exactly what they want when you reply. And it doesn't yeah. matter what you say, they won't go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Sure, man. They're just gonna fight you and fight you. They're like, this is great. They're getting they're getting the attention <laughs> they want, right? So oh, for yeah. me, I just delete and ban. I, I had zero tolerance for that. So, you know, the idea of all these guys, I mean, at the core, what you hear a lot of the main guys, you know, talk about, you just gotta, gotta accept it, honestly. I mean, getting to be around them, they just they're able to turn it on. Um, they're very disciplined. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, they just, they have a high, it's, it's what I'm saying. It's basically a lack of the better words right this exact second, but this, that idea of they have a high, um, I like high deal, I guess, or a high standard for themselves to where they're not going to put up with that crap. And so many of us from everything that you've heard today was the fact that at the end of the day, I'm not going to put up with mediocrity or in my own life or in others feeding that to me like and so I just do what I do to get rid of all of that and and I mean a couple of years I mean again like we said at the very beginning when you talk about things in the past that were bad or didn't work out or whatever it just sounds like it happened in seconds but it sure the hell felt like it was forever oh, and it also in the time when it was a couple of years it's like I went through a period of time where I just had toxic people in my life mm-hmm. I mean I spent a couple of years just Removing that. And that was difficult. I'm a non confrontational guy. (laughs) I'm a people pleaser, but I've learned to build a little bit of a thick skin. But also, I've learned that I mean, one big tip with confrontation for me had been that I learned from kind of these guys is for me, if there's, I shouldn't have to live with anybody in my life that I'm afraid to talk to or afraid to tell what's going on. And if once I go do that, one of two things will happen they're either going to be welcoming and say, oh my gosh, and and they'll talk about it and you'll get through it and it'll become stronger. Well, they're going to be a dickhead about it. And honestly, if they're going to be that, then they don't need to be in your life. Hmm. Because I shouldn't, and I've had that, I've had people I'm scared to death to talk to. And guess what? Those things never ended up working out and at the same time, if I let it drag, it's just, it's a weight. And I know so many people listening have lots of weight on their shoulders and they feel Icky and they just you every bone in your body just feels nasty. I don't like people feel that way. I want them to feel light. I want them to feel like they can float away and they're and they and they're happy and they're because when you're passionate and excited and happy and you pour that into the things that you love, only good things can come out of it. But when you don't think that amazing things are possible, when you're not happy, when you're depressed, when you think the world's coming to an end then things don't happen. And we had a guy on our call yesterday who was exactly that. He was a guy who's like, look, for 40 years in my life, I just thought it was hell on earth. And everybody was out to get me and everybody else and things wouldn't work out and all these things. And he's like, I made a decision that maybe he's like, for him, he's, he even says he's not really religious, but he's like, maybe this is actually heaven. Maybe this is a good place. Maybe things can work out. And once he just made a decision and made a shift, he's like, things started to happen. And then one big thing that I told him that, that I've seen now, him being able to transition massively is from the word massive with imperfect action. Mm. And it's just so cool to see this guy go, awesome things are happening, I'm making all sorts of new friendships and, and jobs are happening and all this because I don't care if it's right or wrong or it's perfect, I'm just doing it, so I'm emailing people, I'm calling people, I'm, I'm just doing these things and I'm learning along the way and I'm connecting and I'm building relationships it's just a decision that he made to realize things don't have to be perfect all the time. You know, people could look at where you're at today and think that's where they need to be today. But you have, you know, he said over 500 episodes. I'm sure it didn't look anything like this on the first 50 episodes, No, you know? And so you just got to start and you'll learn as you, as you go. So I I hope that (laughs) helps, uh, helps people out. Yeah. So one last
1: question for you, Michael, uh, what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable?
4: Unmistakable. Hmm. As in their own unique self? However you want to interpret it. How do I want to interpret it? Un- un- unmistakable? I mean for me <sighs> unmistakable if you mis- I mean y- y- truly to me it's 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 being it's being yourself. I mean being you, there's a million people like you mentioned earlier they're starting podcasts and doing all these different things. And you could you could tell yourself that why will anybody care about me? And then so many just don't even start the thing they actually should because they're just sitting here comparing to everything else. And I look at the Home Depots, the Lowe's, the CVS and Walgreens and all these things, and all the you know banks and gas stations and everything else. And I think some people go to Lowe's over Home Depot because they like blue rather than orange and you know there could be people who've interviewed the same people as you've interviewed but obviously already, I already know and I haven't got to listen to a video or anything like that you bring a whole twist and pull things out of people that just other people aren't because they're following a script and that's what so many people are doing in life they're following a script of what the world has presented to them rather than just living their own unique script and their own unique story that they've created so that they can be um, unmistakably different from you know everybody else that's out there and, and really stand out. So I, I believe that you've got to be yourself and when you do that, no matter how quiet, loud, big, small you are, you accept that, um, outstanding things will happen for
0: you.
1: Wow. Well, Michael, uh, this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join. us <laughs> well, and I appreciate share you having some of your story and your insights with our listeners. This has been. I I know at this point when I've got a hit on my hands, I think you're going to be a big hit with our listeners.
4: Well, I, I I'm so grateful. I know you you really uh, had me on a little emotional roller coaster. Like I said, I uh, you dug some things out of me. <laughs> haven't been haven't been really uh, explored. So I, I appreciate. It. I'm very grateful for that. So
1: awesome, and for those of you listening. We'll wrap the show with that. I'll link up everything Michael talked about in the show notes and anything else we've mentioned. So visit the website and we'll close with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to The Unmistakable Creative.